Yankees lose. <laughs> Hits it in the air to right. Back at the wall, and the White Sox win it. Stretch. Get on back there. They look up. You can put it on the board. Yes. Yes. Welcome, everybody. Exciting episode for us here today. Alex and I are joined in by uh, Brian Knights, one time uh, recent champ of the 108 White Sox tourney on Twitter, uh, future fireman, and current EMT with uh, Guaranteed Rate and the United Center. So keeping everyone safe at the stadiums and also on the side, does some stuff for Barstool Chicago. We are excited to add into the show today Brian Knights, diehard White Sox fan. We're going to talk a little. White Sox baseball and uh, talk a little bit of a disaster shit show we saw uh, from the club this year, but excited to add Brian to the show. Brian, can you hear us? I can. How you doing, boys? Pleasure to be here. It's a, it felt like the first real uh, fall day in Chicago. I think the, the mornings were spent in the 30s and kind of reached mid 40s, but otherwise life is good, kind of over. Um, kind of starting to get over that playoff loss or the playoff uh, um, entrance that we should have been, but we just didn't see this season. But uh, Alex, how are you doing? Doing well, man. I mean, the one thing that's making it harder to get over the playoffs is that we got Harper and Machado out here. Just as like a friendly little reminder of what could have been. Um, but I'm enjoying it, man. Playoff baseball is good. I know this Thursday we got all the sports. It's one of those days where it's like, I don't know how many times it's happened, but all the big four sports leagues happen, and, you know, like in fall. Excited for hockey season. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> exactly. And it, it's exciting enough. We still got the Bulls to be hopeful about here in Chicago. Uh, a little bit less uh, excitement on the, on the ice for the Blackhawks, but we'll see. Alex, for some reason, is a uh, White Sox fan. And then Detroit, everything else. So he's a little different on that sense, but uh, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But all right, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has that combo. It's pretty odd, but it's the first. The first I've seen that for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's get right into it. Obviously, a shit show of a season from uh, from our Chicago White Sox this year. Didn't make the playoffs. Looks like a big roster uh, turnaround could be uh, in store for us. Besides the untouchables of. Realistically, Dylan Cease and, uh, and Vaughn is what it sounds like the team is saying. Uh, but let's jump right into it. I mean, initial reactions. Start. You were at the ballpark more than anyone probably this year. I mean, you saw it. Uh, what was, you know, besides, well, I think the, the obvious, but what was, what's your initial take on, uh, on the 22 campaign? I mean, I think it's the most disappointing season in the history of organized sports for any team ever. I mean, you have all of the national media saying you're going to at least go to the ALCS. A lot of people had us winning the World Series. And then you go out there and you lose the fucking Guardians with a, what's their payroll, $67 million or whatever it is. Like, that's pathetic. And honestly, I think if the Sox made the playoffs here and we're in the same spot the Guardians are, I think they get past Tampa. But that they don't take the Yankees to five. The Yankees sweep our ass. So it's it's a, a pathetic fucking bunch, and they got to figure it out big time, that's for sure. Yep, yep, without a doubt. Alex, if you had to sum it up, what would you say? I don't. I mean, I, I think the whole – the vibe of the team was just kind of wrong. It makes you question a lot of things. I see why they're tearing – like, 
they're ready to move on for some players and why not many guys are untouchable because it just never seemed like the whole lack of hustling thing. I was okay with it for a little bit. Cause I was like, these guys are getting hurt, but it didn't lead to staying healthy. And it just continued through the whole season. We never hustled. We never turned it on. And I don't know, I guess it was thought of as something that could just magically appear. And that's just not, not how it works. And meanwhile, the guardians, they had some injuries, but stayed relatively healthy. Yeah. And, hustled nonstop. Like it's hard to watch I think, them. I think what happened was the White Sox came into this year looking at the rest of the division and what the national media was saying about them and said, We're the best fucking team out there. We're the best team in the American League. Nobody's gonna touch us. And then they went in there and they had a manager who was saying, You don't have to run because we're gonna be there at the end. Don't worry about it. Save your energy. We'll be there in October. It's whatever. And then they got their ass kicked from the beginning because they came into the season not caring. They they figured we could half-ass it and we can waltz ourselves to an American League Central Division Championship, and then you see what happens in the playoffs. But what you saw was a team that didn't care, a team that was injured, a team that, for the most part, showed very little heart at any point in the season. And then you had, the, you had Cleveland, a bunch of young guys, who everyone doubted. Everyone had this team finishing fourth in the AL Central. People had the Tigers above this team. People had Twins above this team. Some people had the Royals above this team. And then you get Cleveland come in here. They're like, hey, we're a bunch of guys. We don't care. Francona was like, hey, we're going to hustle our ass off. We're going to play fundamental baseball. And we're going we're gonna to go in there. We're going to beat guys. And that's exactly what they did. And it's a shame their season came to an end tonight. I was rooting for them. But that's how it fucking works. I don't know. They kicked our ass all year, and they deserved to be at the end, and we didn't. Yep, yep. No, I, I think you guys are all spot on. I, it, it was I, – I, I don't know. I mean, you, you came in – it felt like the attitude right from spring training was, all right, we're just going to walk through this division like you guys said. And unfortunately, it just wasn't the case. Um, all the kudos in the world to the Guardians organization. I mean, they they put the ball in play. They tested, uh, tested you on all ends, bullpen, pitching – uh, defense and hitting. Uh, they had a great rotation and, uh, and a great staff that ended up leading them throughout the season. And, and with some guys that they, uh, they, people didn't expect to light it up, were able to light it up. And, and then you look at kind of what this team did to come into this season. And obviously the holes were second base and right field. You see them go in and bring uh, the extension of, uh, of Lori Garcia as, as Lori, the legend was great in that uh, 2021 playoff, you know, it, then you go and add 35-year-old Josh Harrison at second. And there were sparks of some, some decent play from Harrison at second, but uh, definitely inconsistent at, at best. And then you go and add, um, I can't remember how old he is at this point, but A.J. Pollock from the Dodgers in the Kimball trade. and uh, 35, I believe, is the same age as Abreu. So it's, it's the common theme of bringing in these guys that are past their prime. And, and yes, Pollock had some experience with a great, great team, of the LA Dodgers, but at the time he was struggling to get into the lineup and uh, they thought he was going to be kind of, a, uh, they thought he was going to be a star for this lineup. And, and that just wasn't the case. And, and the gaps showed and, and the platoon of Andrew Vaughn and, and Gavin sheets in, in the outfield, you know, as much as their bats were there at some points, you know, obviously with sheets getting sent down at some, at the beginning ish uh, of the season, you know, it, but defensively, it was awful. They were the worst fielding yeah. team. Um, and it started, I, I don't know if it just started, it felt like every game of the first at least week, 
the team was making three or four errors a game. And it just started from there and it just continued to spiral from there. Um, I don't know. I mean, 80, 90%, 95 on the Russo. What do, what do we think the percentages of fault fall towards Tony and, and then just what these players have to expect of themselves? So one, one thing that pisses me off though, cause I have to bring this up first cause it's the defensive things, but the Pollock trade, I get it. You're not going to get too much for Kimbrel, but Rickon came out and said Pollock was brought in to help with right-handed hitting or hitting versus right-handed pitchers. You look at the splits for one year, the year before we traded to him, 2021, he hit righties better for his career. It's not that it doesn't reflect that at all. He hits lefties way better and righties. He's an average hitter like the rest of the lineup. To me, it looks like Rickon looked at one year of splits to make that move to address the need of, of left-handed hitting through a right-handed bat, which I get can work sometimes, but it just didn't – like he cherry-picked one year of stats to say that this guy could hit righties. And this year we saw he couldn't hit righties like a lot of the lineup. Um, and then you just get guys who are – I don't know. You see a lot of these good teams have good – like we could have – we were better when we had Mendick playing, you know? We were better when we had Romy playing. There was some energy. There was yep. some juice. And the fact that we paid $10 million for a second base platoon of guys who had been there and didn't have that same fire anymore because they're veterans. Like, I don't expect them to have that. But, like, when you give Larry Garcia a three-year contract, he's going to play like the guy who won the division last year as opposed to Danny Mendick who comes up and plays like he's fighting for a roster spot, which he was. And it seemed like we needed more of that juice. And instead of, like, having a couple spots in the lineup with young guys who were unknowns, we went for known average to bad players and that's just confusing i i I just don't get it yeah i mean i'll get into lucid brain after blame after i say this ever since they failed on machado and harper they've half that they've half-assed this entire thing they failed out on those guys and they're like all right we'll take the $25, $30 million a year we were going to give Harper and Machado. And it was, let's give it to, let's split it up against four or five different guys, whether it's Edwin and Carcion or Vince Velasquez or all these fucking bums who are way past their prime and should have never seen an ounce of playing time with the White Sox. We gave the money to them and it failed miserably. So going into the this offseason, I would hope they would learn from their mistakes, but I honestly don't think they will. I think we'll go into this offseason and Danny Mendick will be our starting second baseman, which I think he should be. Danny Mendick absolutely fucks. And I love the guy. He's gritty. <laughs> he follows me. I love the guy. He's my best friend. I will love Danny Mendick until the end of time. And I think he's a productive second baseman in this league. But if you're giving $18 million to Lurie Garcia, give that money to Danny Mendick. Because Danny Mendick deserves it more than Larry Garcia does. It's outrageous. So, I think it is probably 35% Tony LaRusso's fault. And that feels low. Tony, not the guy. I hated him. From from the beginning, I said, I don't think Tony's decision-making will outweigh the talent this team has to where they'll end up failing. I was wrong. I didn't think we would have a manager that said, let's intentionally walk guys. I don't want to count. If you're a guy who can rationally say that's a smart baseball decision in your brain, I think you should be in a mental ward. 
is as simple as that. But at the same time, the players have to perform, and they just flat out didn't. I would say it's more of the supporting staff than Tony's fault at this point and the player's fault than it is Tony's. Tony is irrelevant at this point. He's gone, whatever. It was a failure from the beginning. He should have never been hired manager. As Ryan McGuffey said, this whole rebuild was a failure the second he was named manager. And now we got to backtrack and try to make up the past three years because we made a a poor choice. So we have to get a new manager. We need a new hitting coach. Bring up Chris Johnson from AAA because you saw – Gavin Sheets start the year where we were like, all right, he's going to be he's going to be starting with the White Sox. He's going to be competing for the right field spot, which I mean, he shouldn't be a right fielder, but he's decent enough in the outfielder. And you get those stretches from Gavin Sheets where in a two week stretch he might hit eight bombs, and you're like, holy fuck, this guy is legit Barry Bonds. It's incredible. And but then he sucked, and he was popping up everything. He was striking out. It was miserable. And then you saw him go down to AAA. And immediately he's hitting home runs. And then Gavin Sheets comes back. He's using the opposite field beautifully. He's hitting the home runs again. And it's like, this is the fucking Gavin Sheets we need. Why? He directly credited Chris Johnson as a reason for it. So the fact that Frank Manichino is still employed, which I don't think he will be, I think you just bring up Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson. Caps keeps his job. You find a new third base coach that's not going to have outrageous sends. And then later in the year, you saw him more conservative on sends because he was afraid of getting fucking murdered on social media. (laughs) And then you bring in a new manager who knows what he's doing and can fire the boys up and tell them, hey, you're going to hustle the first base. And if your hamstring fucking explodes, then that's on you. Handle the offseason better, train better, whatever. But we're not going to not try to win baseball games, just keep guys healthy. Yep. Like yep. I would rather, I would rather give 110% every single fucking game and be like, those boys are showing hard. Hey, you're down five, three. And we're, we're putting all these false rallies we saw from the, from the Sox this year. They're hustling down to first base to, to try and extend the game and they blow out their knee. That's fine. That's fine. That's a freak injury, whatever. Danny Mendick, he blew out his knee. That guy hustles his ass off every single fucking play. Everyone else, they're afraid to get hurt. If you if you get hurt trying hard, that's just that's part of life. Yep. But if you're gonna if you're gonna sacrifice winning just to try to stay healthy, and then when you're healthy, you're half assing it and not producing, mathematically that makes absolutely no sense. Well, it, it felt like coming straight into the year, as you guys touched on it. I mean, everyone, everyone was getting hurt. You know, obviously Lynn came into the the spring training banged up, or he came in healthy and then exited banged up. Yon Moncada with the oblique. Um, and then obviously Eloy. You know, it, it's I, I think you're spot on with it. I think you have to ask the players, like, what are they doing in the offseason to prep and get ready for themselves? I think – with those three, you could add Grandal to that list. And, he, and yes, a career catcher for 10 plus years in the league. Obviously, he's going to be slow. Um, obviously, his knees are going to be hurting. Uh, but, you know, the guys were unable to stay healthy. And then when they were con- inconsistent as hell, you know, I think th- two of those guys were all hitting, um, you know, Moncada and, and, and Grandal for most of the season were under the 200 mark. And then it's just unacceptable, especially to a guy who who got the six, six million. Uh, 
six years, 60 years, 60 plus million dollar deal from the Sox uh, in Moncada. You know, he was a ghost at third base. And uh, and then you look at Lucas Giolito. And I, you brought up Ethan Katz. And I think for the rest of the pitching staff and, and rotation, he's been excellent. But I don't know what yeah. has happened to Lucas Giolito. You know, he was he was pretty solid last year. But this year, I mean, just a shell of what we're used to, uh, minus the first few years of him cracking into the league. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, he put, on, think... a lot of, he put on a lot of weight. Like he he said like openly he was lifting in the offseason. He put on like, yeah. I don't know, 15 pounds. I, to me, that was a weird move because I think when you're that big, and, and he said it after the season, he's like, I'm exhausted. And you could see it every time he pitched. Like the guy was like, Drenched and like I get like I get some people are like that, but it was more so than in the past. And I think I I guarantee he comes into camp next year, he's gonna be lighter because I think he's recognized this is too much for him. He put on a ton of weight and he just couldn't carry that. Like there's a big frame to be carrying that, putting stress on it. You could see it every game. So I don't know why he went to that move. I don't know who consulted him on putting on weight. Um, I'm sure he looked at himself and said, Look, if I can get my 94, 95 up to like 96, 97. I can be all of a sudden a Cy Young as opposed to like a three five ERA pitcher, and I, I get the logic there, but I I don't know how who was discussing with him that putting on that weight would do that because clearly it didn't work, and he just he seemed to be struggling through everything. Every pitch was hard, but you could see the flashes still. That changeup still can be like he still has so many good pieces. Like I could see a turnaround for him, but it was just a weird move to, to, to go put on that weight and for him to just not work at all. I don't know where he got that like idea that that would work. Um, yeah. I don't, I think, I mean, you hit it spot on. It was clear that when you're that massive of a human being and putting on that much muscle, when you're a rotational athlete, like being leaner is probably better. So yeah, it, it just made no sense to begin with. And then, his velo dropped because he was, he's trying to move all that more mass and at the same level and just doesn't work that way. So I think it has to do with the lockout. I'm not going to excuse this season on the lockout, but the fact that they weren't, I, I mean, I don't know the ins and out of it, but to my knowledge, they aren't, consoling with the team they're just working out of their own doing whatever because they're locked out they can't fucking do anything so to my knowledge he's just going rogue and doing whatever he thinks is right and clearly made a very poor decision because he went from being the worst pitcher in baseball to being an all-star to being absolute trash again so i'm i'm expecting a bounce back hopefully now that he realizes that was dumb and maybe slims up a little bit gets rid of all that extra muscle he put on and uh, gets back to pumping 97, 98 and a absolutely devastating changeup. I think he needs a, a nice little third pitch in there, but we'll see. Yeah, it's, you got to rely on, on Lucas coming back a lot stronger. Uh, obviously the emergence of Dylan Cease was, was huge for this team. If not the uh, kind of what built them and, and propelled them to stay consistent at 500 um, I don't know. I, I think what what lays ahead of him. I mean, Lucas needs to play well. He, he's due money. I believe he's got one more year of arbitration before he becomes a free agent. Uh, so it should be interesting to see what the Sox end up doing with him and with what uh, what Lucas is able to produce. I, I, watching 
and probably I think we'll all agree letting you know Carlos Rodon when you could have qualified him for eight and eighteen and a half or what it was. I think they're they're biting themselves in the on their nails in terms of why the hell they didn't they didn't qualify him. And um, I don't know. It, it makes me think. Do you have any concerns about Kopech's future in this rotation? Uh, I think there were starts where you know obviously the the one where he took the no hitter into the eighth or ninth or whatever it was. He looks phenomenal. Um, the knee was bothering him towards the end of the season. You saw his velocity a little bit lower than than normal. Maybe that's just him building up endurance to be. Uh, more of a starting role rather than a guy coming out of the pen for two or three at max. Um, I don't know, but what, what can we expect and, and hope we'll see from, I guess, Michael Kopech next season? Uh, I would, I think his struggles are directly re- related to injury. So I would hope it's the, the flashes we've seen more consistently. I think the whole rotation, honestly, is a bit of a question mark, which is terrifying to say, but, I have it's it's impossible to have faith in the front office making big splash moves to insulate this team from injury. So yeah, Dylan C's had a Cy Young like year. We would love to see him repeat that next year, but what are the chances he regresses to the mean? We saw that with Lucas Fialito. We yeah. saw an incredible year following up an awful year and he sort of regressed to the mean this season. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we're going to bank on all these guys, just getting better year to year, you have to insulate yourself to, to that not happening. That's why not giving Carl Sardano qual- qualifying offer was an insane move because you did that. And then you're banking on all these guys. I guarantee you this team was like, all right, we're good. We got Lucas Giolito. He's our ace. We're set. They did not expect Dylan Cease to be no. in the in the running for AL Cy Young late into August. There's no chance they saw that coming. So now we need to we need to bank on Michael Kopech being healthy, which I think if he is, he's a solid, solid three at least. Mm-hmm. And get a couple years under his belt, he's maybe an ace. Lucas Giolito, when he's on his best consistently, he's an ace. Dylan Cease, he's proven he can be in the Cy Young. But is that consistent? I don't know. With that mustache, I think he will be. <laughs> if he shaves the mustache, he's a five. I don't really know. But he's nasty, and I expect Dylan Cease to do what he did last year. But then you got – so that's that's three roster spots right there. What else you got? We got Johnny Cueto. Are we bringing him back? Probably not. And you can't bank on him having the electricness he did at 35 years old for us there, 35 or whatever he is. I don't know. Davis Martin, I mean, he showed – flashes that he can keep you in games in the spot start but then later in the year he wavered a little bit so he can't be your five so if they're really serious about contending for a world series you can't just bank on a bus a bunch of question marks like white Sox, they've got shit on for that's the whole yankees beef he has because he said the yankees rotation is garrett cole and a bunch of question marks you could say right now People could say right now that the White Sox rotation is Dylan Cease in a bunch of question marks, and I wouldn't disagree with you. Mm-hmm. So you I, gotta I, you gotta do something. I agree, but I I don't know if it need. I, I would love a splash. I would love to just go get another horse in that rotation. Somebody who's a yeah, just a good. I mean, starter. they're not going to go get like Jacob Degrom. 
Like oh. that's that's not going to happen. <laughs> but it's not. I, but I, I, would I love think it. you you need to do more on banking on either Davis Martin being your five or Garrett Crochet making the transition to a starter. Which yeah, I think he like, would be a filthy starter. He's a naughty boy. I I love Garrett Crochet. Yeah, hope be an but, interesting storyline in terms of what they do with him. You can't bank on him coming off of Tommy John and being your no. five. Like when he's never started outside of college. That's just not he, even if he is the five, he's throwing a hundred innings, and that's yeah. that's and what like you Davis have to Martin. Expect. Like I love Davis Martin. I love what he did for us this season. Davis Martin is not your five on a contending team. Oh, he's good that, in his spot starts when you have the doubleheader. But exactly. Davis Martin is just – he's not – over the course of 162 game, he is not a five in your rotation. That's just, there's just no way. No, and he he just can't go into the year as the five. Like, if he goes into the year as the six or seven, and he becomes the five for even three-quarters of the year, you're like, it's not good, but, like, that's why you have that guy there. Davis, Davis Martin is your insulation from injury right now. Yeah, but at this point in time, Davis Martin is your five. Maybe you're even your four at this point because we He's don't know the what five. the hell is going to happen. He's the yeah. five. So Davis Martin is the five right now, as it currently stands. <laughs> yeah, you can't we, go into the season with Davis Martin as your five. No, if we That's if we crazy. sat here talking, uh, well, the day they let Carlos and and the day was announced they were going to resign Carlos Rodon, and we said to ourselves that fucking Davis Martin was going to be our fifth starter. I think we'd all say this team was destined. Well, for exactly what we saw. I mean, we have we have no lefties whatsoever. So yep. I don't know what the plan is there. And yeah. so let me ask you this, and I and I know he's not a lefty. I don't think he's a lefty. Um, did Ronaldo earn himself a spot in that rotation? No, no. You he's like, a you like him? You like him pay, I think they're going to keep him in the pen. How him, do and, not? him and him and Jimmy Lambert have both established themselves that they will never be a starter for the White Sox at least. But they are efficient in the bullpen role. Jimmy Lambert wavered at the end of the season when late in the season he was we brought him in in big positions, which he shouldn't have been in, and he shit the bet. But they've both proven that they can perform in high leverage situations in a bullpen role that they just can't at a starting position. Yeah. And I think so one I thing- think I think it would be a disservice at this point to Ronaldo Lopez to be like, hey, you fucking killed it as a reliever. Let's bring you back to the starting rotation. 100%. Yeah. I, I think one thing they could do, though, which would be interesting with both of them because they both fit this mold, is maybe start giving them a little bit more opportunities to go two innings. And I, I think Ronaldo yeah. maybe has a little bit more gas to where he's, he's almost too good for maybe that role. But Lambert, for sure, if he can become a guy who can, on a blow-up day, come give you three innings, keep you in the game, that that changes his value, right? He becomes like, and I hate to bring it up because like we just signed this guy, but Vince Velasquez made money in his career off being a guy yeah. who can be a reliever, but then can also come in and give you that three to four innings out of the pen. That that made him five million from the Sox this year. I think he was paid five mil, but like that's why we brought him in as a guy three, but still like a guy who probably wasn't getting a contract. Because he can spot start, because he can come in and give you four innings every once in a while, he made more money than he would have. Um, I, th- I feel like that's what pissed a lot of people off towards the end of the season is that Ronaldo was shoving, and we know his history as a starter, and he was only going three outs every single game. Yeah, And it was like, why are we not giving this guy two innings? 
But then we saw Vince Velasquez going out there and going multiple, and it's like, this guy stinks. Like, why aren't we using the guys that are actually good to go two innings? And then, like, I, yeah, a lot of frustration. A lot of frustration. I don't know. Would you, out of the guys that could become free agents in the starting pitching market, do you go give? Uh, and again, I don't know if, if he's a lefty or righty. Do you go reunite with Jose Quintana? Do you visit? The option of if my Max Scherzer opts out, do you, you potentially give him a call? See if he's interested in bringing in some veteran presence to this rotation and, and see if he would be interested in being, you know, that, that would automatically make him your two, bounce everyone back a little bit and, and kind of solidify the fact that maybe Lance is your, your four if Kopech is healthy. Uh, and I think then you would uh, feel a little bit more confident with maybe some of these other guys being your fifth. I don't know. what Do you think they visit the starting pitching uh, market at all? I think they sniff the starting pitching market, but I don't think anything happens. I think I think if they go for Quintana, I don't think it's a lot of money, which would be on brand for the White Sox. But I just don't see him being successful like he was in 2016 at this current point in time. Like I, I don't see that working if they bring him back. Uh, DeGrom's unrealistic. I mean, everyone thinks he's going to Atlanta. I think he's probably going to stay with the Mets. And outside of that, the starting pitcher market, I'd, I'd have to look at it, but I'm not I'm not necessarily uh, – I haven't studied the starting pitching free agent market to see what can make this team better at this at, – at right now. I think you can make a push at Rodon, um, but they weren't interesting even the qualifying offers. I don't see them being like, "Hey, let's bring you back." Uh, so I, I think I think we're kind of stuck when it comes to starting pitching, and I think we're kind of stuck when it comes to bullpen because we've already invested so much money into the bullpen, and it is incredibly inconsistent, which makes no sense. But I, I think it's really just a matter of them saying that they know we need to fill right field. They know we need to fill fill second base and we need to bring in left-handed bats and them actually doing that instead of just not doing it and saying that we're going to rely on Larry Garcia and Gavin Sheets to bring us to a world series. Like that's just, it's proven that that does not happen. Yeah. I think so. I think on the bullpen, they have to stay put. You just got to hope yeah. for some more development and that's fine. The bullpen should be good. Like I'm, it's not a concern going into next season. Yeah, you, you you know Hendricks is going to be in the running for a reliever of the year because that's what Liam Hendricks does. You're hoping Graveman shows what he did when he was with Seattle instead of being like, meh, with us. You'd hope for a resurgence from Joe Kelly. Raylo is what Raylo is. You're solid there. You get Crochet back, who was nasty. So hopefully he's good. Bummer. He was hurt all year. He came back. He sucked. But I've always been a bummer defender. I mean, he puts People up numbers. Bummer. That's the thing. Like, he, he puts up good numbers. He got the extension for mm-hmm. a reason. Yeah, it he is got a the biggest pitcher. <laughs> he got the biggest pre-arb deal ever by a reliever for a reason. 100%. Like, at some point, he's going to figure it the fuck out and produce for this team. And if this team's going to be good, like you just know, we don't have enough money. Like the the bullpen's not going to be a touch in the offseason. It should yeah. be good, and it shouldn't be concerned. On the starters, I just took a quick look at who's going to be a free agent, and I have 
There's a couple guys I would love to see. I would love to see Rodon. I think Rick Hahn came out and said one of the reasons the qualifying offer wasn't extended, and I don't know if I believe this fully, but he was like, it was a courtesy for, to Rodon essentially to be like, look, you've grinded. Obviously, a guy who's been through a bunch of injuries and let him go get a contract. I don't know if I believe that, but I have yeah, two guys. Yeah, but at the same point, if you knew he wasn't going to accept accept it, that's the point of a qualifying offer. But then they the, don't accept it, and you get the draft pick. So if you knew he wasn't going to take it, then I think so what, if he if if you offer to him and he doesn't take the qualifying offer, then offer him a fucking deal that's worth more than the qualifying offer. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think what he was saying is he didn't want other teams to be deterred from offering him a big deal because of the pick attached. Um, I I don't know if that's I, I don't know if that's logical. Like I, I it's don't, not. I it's don't not. It, and like it 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 just isn't. Um, he should all. Yeah, it's not. But that's what Rick Hahn said. So the only thing I say there is maybe Rodon is maybe has an interest in coming back because it sure seems like he felt like when that door was closed and the qualifying offer wasn't extended, like he kind of was ready to leave. There was no consideration of like he felt disrespected when it was one offered. Yeah, that's what sure. it seemed. But I got two guys. I got two guys who I think are probably on Rick Hahn's watch list, and I hate I'm gonna maybe throw up saying these two names, but uh, Ross Stripling. Of the Jays, another of these guys who can go four to five innings, go to the bullpen. I could see Rick Hahn pulling the trigger there. And then Zach I could Davies. I can see that as a long relief guy. Long I... relief, the, the Vinny Velasquez role, you know, just <laughs> not good, but we're going to. You gonna say play. Zach Davies? Zach Davies is my other guy to watch out for. I'd, I'd kill myself. <laughs> I would too. I would. He was so bad on the Cubs. He was that's so such, bad. That's such a Rick Hahn move, though. Like a four or five ERA, he's like, hey. That's what sucks is we're expecting this offseason to be half-assed and we're going to bring in Zach Davies to save the fucking <laughs> World Series window. Like, what are we looking, doing, like, guys? What are we this doing? Guy, this guy's a fifth starter. He's been in the league for a while. That's what yeah. Rickon's thinking right now. It'd be, it'd be like bringing in a 48-year-old Zach Granke and be like, he's our fifth. He well, can bring I, us there, boys. I have a full theory that Rickon drafts – or. Builds his teams like me in video games. I want to know every player, right? So I'm there taking the the oldest players because I want to know that last reliever. So I go sign that bum who's washed, and I think that's what you're Rick signing. Does you're too. signing the free agents, and that will be the show that haven't officially on they haven't officially retired, so they're still in the game even though they haven't pitched in five years. That's what I do, and I, I think yeah. Rick Hahn likes knowing. He's like, yo, man. Look at this bullpen. Joe Kelly's at it too. Doesn't matter what you you recognize him, so that's a big deal. <laughs> your your MLB the show lineups they scare me just thinking about it. Hey, um, my MLB the show White Sox franchise. I won like 130 games this year. I'm just saying. Oh, it's because you, you, you were able to control. You're able to <laughs> hire you're able me. To get them to perform. You know, it's. It, I, then I ask. You know, I think we brought up. You know, Rick Hahn and. The frustrations, he's kind of – I don't know how much of it's been on record, but he is clearly being held back by um, by Jerry Reinsdorf and, and what his capabilities and his ability to spend are. Uh, do you think Jerry lets, you know, lets him off the leash a little bit this offseason? Um, if so, I think this could be a successful offseason. But, you know, I think there were the, the rumor mills that he might resign because he just feels like he can't do what he – he wants to do with this club. I, you know, I think, uh, do we value Rick Hahn as, as the GM of this team? Do we expect him to be able to do what he wants this offseason, Or do we expect it to be just, you know, 
as we've talked about with, as Alex just said, Zach Davies and fucking Ross Stripling. Do we expect that to be our off season? Or is that the, is that really how low we are? Or, or can we expect him to maybe um, turn some pages and, and maybe, maybe offer someone a hundred million plus. Uh, I think, I think it's possible. I'm not going to say it's a guarantee. I think Jerry realizes he made the mistake by bringing in Tony. He'll just never publicly admit it. And I think he realized the game has passed Tony by, and it's also passed me by. So I'm going to let people actually do their job and see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully that is what's happening. But I'm not sure. I think if, uh, I mean, that, that Reddit thread that mentioned all the things like Rick Han, Rick Han uh, resigning, I think if that was truthful, it would have already happened. I think Rick Han would have been like, I'm out the second you completely overrided my managerial search. If I was Rick Han, I would have punched Jerry in the face and I would have left that moment. So I don't think that's truthful. I think that's from all those random Twitter accounts where you get like, it's just a random food item where it gets like uh, Jimmy's hot dog special thing. Yeah. They're like, Hey, Max Scherzer signing with the socks. And it's like, they're never right, but they just spew out that they got the best sources in the organization. So uh, I don't necessarily believe any of that was true. I'm sure there's a little bit of truth to it, but I don't think any of those reports were accurate at all. But uh, I would hope that Jerry realizes that, hey, I brought in these guys to do this job. Maybe me and uh, Kenny should step away a little bit. Maybe let Rick actually do some real baseball stuff. And uh, maybe we should hire more than five analytical people to our front office and uh, become a better baseball team. But I don't necessarily see that happening either. But I don't know. This team has broken my brain. I was optimistic coming into the season. I was like, we'll be good. And now that they suck, I have uh, I've realized that the past three, four off seasons they've completely half-assed this thing, and I don't necessarily uh, expect them to not half-ass it. And if they do, it's a it's a it's a nice surprise, and I'll get to enjoy it. But other than that, I'm uh, kind of expecting more of the same. I completely it just, agree. It's what seems to be the reality of it. But Alex, I'll, I'll let you go off on that one a little bit. Well, I just have no evidence Rick Hahn's a good GM. Um, he made a couple really good trades to trade Quintana and Sale. And that, I mean, I, I get why people right now are down on like the whole rebuild, but those trades were incredible. There's no way to mm-hmm. like, even with Eloy being injured, Yohan something like. I think he's really good at making, he was really good at making those trades. I think he's really bad at signing major league talent. I don't think he's a talent evaluator. That's the issue. I think he had sale and he said, look, if you want him, you're going to pay this price. He got it. And then he had that leverage when Quintana was available and said, look, I'm going to get what I want. And he did get what he wanted. You know, that was a that, fleece job. That it was, was a fleece job, but like, I don't, I don't <laughs> consider that like skilled. He traded for two of the top prospects in baseball. I could have told you those guys were top prospects. Like I could have made that trade and known it was a good trade. Like it wasn't like, it, it, to me, there was no talent evaluation there. And to be honest, the performance of those guys with the talent they have since coming here has been underwhelming to the point where I'm like, do you know how to build an organization that develops talent, which clearly every good organization does? Um, I, don't, I don't have faith in him there. I don't have faith in him going and finding 
Like, look at look at the Dodgers rotations here. Tyler Anderson, Andrew Heaney. These guys are looking incredible. They're realizing their potential. And, yeah, they're not top-of-line aces, but they carry that team to 110 wins. Uh, yeah. I don't think Rick Hahn has that in him. I think if Rick Hahn, like, I totally agree. I don't believe these rumors of him wanting to leave are real because this is the last GM job he's going to get. He doesn't have another opportunity. He hasn't done enough to show that he can build a competent organization. How many guys do we see coming in? Like James McCann is the last guy who came in and outperformed <laughs> his salary, right? Like that guy, we, we signed him and he was great. And uh, that was like, And then wow. he watched and he sucked. So yeah, usually it was, it's, they, they come here and they suck and they leave and they're great. So but like, I don't know anyone great. else who's been like that on this team. Like who else have we signed? That, like Cueto, but Cueto was just like. Yeah, Cueto and Elvis, but those are flash in the pans. I don't expect. I think if also, you go into next year and like we're gonna bring we're gonna bring Cueto and Elvis back, I don't think you get that same level of production. I think it's a massive failure. They would be failure. bad moves to bring them back. They were obvious moves at the yeah. time. We needed the pitchers, and we signed Cueto because he was there. We needed I the think, We signed Andrew. I think the the main reason why I have not much faith in this offseason being any different than the past is the fact that the payroll for the White Sox is the highest it's ever been. Yeah. So. If it's the highest it's ever been already and they're underperforming, why are we expecting them to supplement it by spending more money? And for this team to win the World Series, they have to absolutely completely disregard the luxury tax and cut major contracts off this team. Yasmani Grandal, Yomankata, those guys have to go. You got to spend a shit ton of money blow past the luxury task, eat some money, figure it out. And I just don't think that's going to happen. I just don't think it's realistic. I don't think, I think they're, I honestly think they're going to run it back and just hope it, hope it works this time. Like they thought it would, which is the risk you run when you bring all these guys, you make all these trades and then you extend all these guys to massive deals, not massive deals, but for the, the way that they're touted as team friendly deals. Yo McCutt is making like $40 million over the next two seasons, and he sucks. So it's like you're making these deals and banking on these guys being the top prospects that they're supposed to be, and then when they're not, you have to just spend money on top of that, or else you're just stuck. Like, uh, Yo McCutt sucks. Okay, what are you going to do? You're going to go spend money and get a, get a guy like Manny Machado like you were supposed to do years ago, or are you just going to play Jake Berger and Roman Gonzalez every single fucking day, and then you suck. Like, I don't know what you expect to happen. You're 100% right. The Braves, we could have been the Braves. I mean, it, it was two years ago, people looked at our contracts, and we were the Braves graphic, you know? Everybody was like, look at this core, uh, all locked yeah, people up. Are still showing, people are still showing that Graves, uh, Braves graphic where it's, they got their entire team locked up until 2027. If they don't win another ring, they're going to show that as a failure. Yep. God, this all scary, all scary and depressing thoughts to think about. Um, I don't know. Can we steal you for for a little bit longer and, and talk? Uh, who could be potential uh, taking over the helm for Tony Larusa uh, for next cool. season? Well, it sounds it sounds like the early favorites: Ron Washington, Joe uh, Joe Espada. I think I said that right. And then I'm also hearing that they interviewed the Kansas City Royals bench coach Pedro Gifrol. Uh, so what? 
is a spot at your choice? Do you want him to keep looking? Who uh, who are you hopeful for for next uh, White White Sox manager? As as he has said, he wants someone with current experience, knowledge of the game, the way the game is thinking, the way the game has moved. Uh, does that end up being you know Ron Washington, who's been in Atlanta? Does that end up being Espado, who's in in Houston? I don't know. What are what are we What are you thinking? Uh, I don't really know. I think I'm kind of on the same thing I thought when they brought in Tony, where it was like, I don't think Tony's going to, Tony's decisions are going to outweigh the talent on this team, but it has proven that the talent on this team is not good enough to do it by themselves. So I, whether it's Bochi or Washington who have head coaching experience, managerial experience, playoff managerial experience, Tony Russo had that too. Does that translate well to this team? I don't know. So it's like, do we bring in a guy who's older and has the experience and they're like, figure it out? Or Espada? I would love Espada. I, I think, I don't know. I feel like there's not many hires at this point I could be mad about. Like if they bring in Espada, I'd be like, that's a great fucking hire. Uh, if they bring in Washington, I'd be like, I love it. If they bring in Bochi, I'd be like, I love it. Uh, the Royals bench coach, I honestly know nothing about him, so I'd have to research before I make an informed decision there. Um, <laughs> if they brought Cairo back, I think that would be a failure, but I'd, I'd be down for it, I guess. Uh, and if they brought back Ozzy, I think everyone's like, let's bring back Ozzy. But I think that you run the risk of that scares me because – you bring back like a beloved character in White Sox lore and Chicago history and you bring him back. And if it's a failure, it's like, are we yep. supposed to hate Ozzy now? Like, I, like that's <laughs> sort of the thing with like LaRusso is like, he's a hall of fame manager, like incredible career, objectively not the best human being with the DUIs and stuff like that. But like, he's a great manager and we like, he tarnished his, his legacy by coming back. So it's like, you talk to any Sox fan right now, if they said, I hate Ozzy again, they're a moron and like, they should be in jail. But then you bring Ozzy back with this team. And if it doesn't work, then it's like, it puts you in an awkward scenario. I don't know. So I don't really know what the move is. You said it. I mean, uh, we would, we would all really put 2005 in the rear view and, and, and forget all that was so successful about that team and his run as a man. Yeah, it's, as a not a, it's not a what you've done for us it's business. It's a what are you doing for me now thing, you know? Yep. Like, people love Ozzy now because he won the World Series and he's hilarious on the postgame shows. But, like, if you bring back Ozzy now and, like, you do what you did this year again, it's like, well, that didn't work. That was miserable. Like, you might get some great ejection moments, but, like, other than that, like, it wouldn't be a snooze fest in the dugout like it is under Tony, but if you're still winning, if you're still finishing second place, it's like, what what are we doing here? Yeah, Uh, and it was interesting enough. I think it was Liam Hendricks who said it. uh, You know, they need someone who's going to be that authoritarian figure who's going to hold these guys accountable. Really didn't sound like Tony Tony was. I I think if you're a major league player and you're making this amount of money and you're literally only goal in life is to win a world series championship and you need an authoritarian figure to get you there. I think you 
I think he shouldn't be on the team. I think if there's people on this team that need a dictator in the dugout to be like, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, then I don't think he should be on the team. I'll be honest, I did watch the Redeem Team documentary on Netflix last night, and Mm -hmm. everyone was like, we were kind of lackadaisical, and then Kobe came in and was like in the gym at like 4.30 in the morning, and then everyone kind of followed suit. That would be great if a manager was like, hey, you're going to run your ass to first base, you're going to be in here early, you're going to be in here late, and we're going to win games. Then that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. I would love that. But if you're – if you need that guy to be there, I don't think like if you own Mankata needs an authoritarian manager to be like, get your shit together while he's making $40 million over the next two years, he shouldn't be here. Like if you're banking on your world series window being based on those type of guys, they shouldn't be here. I, I agree with that to some extent. My one issue with that is, you had a team that the last two years has struggled a ton with injuries and the memo was kind of sent by a manager who they trusted. And like, this is a hall of fame guy who's brought in to lead this team. He sent the memo out. Like, look, we don't need to care at the beginning of the year. Cause we're that good. And we're focused on being healthy. And that was the case even two years ago when we made the playoffs, we stumbled into the playoffs because Larissa wanted to be healthy. Um, and what that led to was us being on the road in Houston. And I don't know why we didn't learn from that. Um, because I think when we got to the playoffs, we're like, wow, we stumbled into the playoffs, now we get to go into Houston, and that's a reward for this dominant season. Um, I, I agree you need to get yourself ready to go as a professional. That's what needs to happen. But when when a team has an environment which isn't promoting doing that, I think it's tough. And I think I think it's yeah. a lot easier for us to sit there and say, look, everybody needs to be good, so be intense, be caring everything about this game. But when the rest of the team isn't like that, led by the manager, I think it's just a really – it's a harder job to do, and it's not an effort thing. It's just like when you go into a room and not everybody's intense about something, it's hard to be intense. It's hard to have that level of focus, even if you want it as bad, like more than anything. You know, It just isn't conducive to that. And I think LaRusso set that tone from day one. He didn't care about games until August, and that's kind of the message he sent all year. And it yeah. screwed us. Like, and when you're 10 games back in August, it's like, yeah, well, you lose one game and you're now? like, you lose one game and all of a sudden that record's like, oh, we have to be 13 and four to make the playoffs. Like, you know, they got all, everyone's doing the math on these things and it, it's demoralizing. And I don't know. I think the White Sox treated their season this year as if they were a boosted version of the Dodgers and could just stroll into the playoffs. Um, I, they thought they were going to win 110 games and by just being them. And not trying. I think that was what they thought was going to happen. And the reality is, if this team tried every day, they'd win 95 games maybe. You know, they're not going to win 110 games. They're not that good. They can win a World Series, but they're not that – they're not the Dodgers. Um, So I don't know why we thought we could act like that. Um, I don't know. In terms of a manager, I I cannot – I the fan of me would kind of love to see Ozzy back just because him on the postgame is hilarious. And I don't know. I just love – I like Ozzy a lot, but – we have to go out of house. This cannot be somebody from yeah. within this organization. It would be such a bad look and such a bad vibe for everyone involved to like have somebody who's a part of this come back to it. You know, it, it needs to be somebody new, somebody different. And I don't have too much confidence they're going to do that, to be honest. I think Ozzy could end up being the manager. Um, and I'd, I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. I'm just afraid of the outcome if it goes poorly. 
I would be too. I think it's a horrible move though. I, I, yeah. I, I, I would be fine with it and I'd be excited, but I think it's a, logically, I think it's a terrible idea. I'd be excited. Uh, I was the bring back Ozzy guy, but like yeah. if, he, if they bring back Ozzy and it fails miserably, it's going to be incredibly awkward and I don't want to deal with that. So like, let's just not deal with it. It's also the same mistake twice. Who's like, who in their right mind would do that? Who like only the White Sox would do it, which is why I think it really could happen. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, it's got to be somebody new, and I don't think a spotter wants. I think they would have signed a spotter that interview. I don't think he wants to come. That guy's going to take over in Houston, and why would he want to be here if he can be that next manager in Houston for a team that is proven that they will show up? And they're going to be a powerhouse. They're a team that won't go away because they know how to scout, they know how to develop. They've shown it time and time again. They are here to stay. We all hate Houston. They will be in this picture for a long time. And I don't know why Espada would come to this organization if he knows he's they're waiting on him there. Yep, yep. Well, Brian, we appreciate you hopping on. Last thing I'll ask you, World Series prediction now that we know what the, uh, the CS is looking like? Uh, I want it to be Padres Astros. Oh, not Padres Astros, Phillies Astros. I, I think I could be. I, I mean, this – I don't want the Yankees, and I love what the Phillies are doing right now. So feed me Phillies, Astros. I like it. I like it. I think this Philly team is is turning some heads. You know, it's a star-studded roster that is kind of putting it together come October. So the Phillies are are That's all that matters. Yep, exactly, exactly. Well, like I said, Brian, we appreciate you hopping on. Uh, for anyone out there, go give him a follow at Brian Knights Three. Go listen to Q the motherfucking Blues Brothers. Great little shorts after post games. We hope uh, they should be returning, I think, for next season. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I won't make a single game. So, Yep, consistent as all hell, 162 from the guy that does it all. Um, you know, you can always say hi to him at, at the United Center or at Guaranteed Rate. Uh, Brian, we appreciate you hopping on. We will do some live streams for some of these final games in the playoffs. If you're ever around, we'd love to have you on. Talk about uh, shit, watch the game. Uh, otherwise, like I said, we really do appreciate you joining us. Um, in terms of where you can follow us, you can follow us at star six media on Instagram, Facebook, follow us on YouTube. This will be uh, posted on all, all platforms that you can listen to podcasts. We should get the video, uh, version of this on YouTube. Go follow Alex at Northside underscore socks. Give me a follow at Siffy man. Appreciate you guys tuning into another great interview. Our first on three up three down, uh, go check out the other podcasts, only football, GCA sports, sports drip. Um, there's a soccer one and then of course three up three down we will have a hockey one coming here for you shortly but appreciate you joining us alex have a good night brian have a good night and we'll catch you soon thank you for having me boys thanks guys that was fun Uh, yankees lose (laughs) hits it in the air the right back at the wall and the white Sox win it stretch Get on back there. They look up. You can put it on the board. Yes. Yes.
Weber. And this ball game is over. 